Welcome to ACME Talks and Live Events. You are listening to a podcast from the Australian Centre for the Moving Image. This talk has been recorded in front of a live studio audience. This podcast is an audio recording of a live event. It may reference visual material that cannot be represented in this recording. It may also contain strong language and adult themes, which may not be suitable for younger audiences. And the opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of ACME. Um, hi, everyone. I just realised this might be the first one of these I've done where I don't have to worry about spoilers at all. <laughs> Has everyone here seen all of Arrested Development? <laughs> well, that's, that's excellent. All right. Um, so... Can we get the PowerPoints up as well, thanks? Arrested Development has this weird effect on me that almost um, no other comedy does because the first time I watched it, I didn't really laugh. I just got really quiet and serious and went, that's really funny. <laughs> that's, that's really, really funny. Um, and I think part of that reaction is to the show's speed and density. It's packed so full of jokes that you think if you laugh too hard, you're going to miss something. Um, but I think it's also because Arrested Development is kind of like, like a self-extracting file on your PC. You activate it by watching it and it just sort of unspools in front of you. Um, it's already thought of everything, every permutation of every joke long before you get there. And I think that kind of show-off virtuosity can be really smug or alienating. But here I don't find it that way at all. I find it quite hypnotising. Um, and it often made me want to applaud, but I wouldn't applaud because then, as I said, I would be worried I would miss something. Um, it risks, though, nights like this turning into people just quoting their favourite bits from the show because what else is there to talk about? The show's already <laughs> thought of everything else um, and I'm going to do a bit of that right now. <laughs> so one of my favourite gags would have to be... Can we get this to... Frank Wrench, <laughs> the rule-abiding detective. So within a few seconds as a throwaway gag, they create a perfectly plausible, quirky cop show about a cop who has to let a criminal go because he can't run a stop sign because he has to always follow the rules. Um, or maybe it's Tobias's audition <laughs> in the second episode. So it's actually an ad for a fire sale and not about a man in a fire. The genius here, though, is that they give away the punchline at the beginning but Tobias doesn't notice, so he just screams like he's on fire anyway and then just adds sale every time <laughs> he mentions the word fire. So they destroy the gag before they begin. Um, or probably one word... Wait. Bees. Now, this is probably my favourite one-off gag from Arrested Development. Joe mishears the words beads as beads, and this new obsession plays out throughout the rest of the episode. Eventually, George Michael is upset because he doesn't know everyone was calling his grandfather Old Bear because he loves his honey. Um, like so many jokes from the show, though, explaining this stuff out loud shows how difficult it is, and mostly they just fall flat. Um, I do think the second season is better than the first, but what's remarkable about the show is how fully formed it is from its very first episode. It's like Athena sprung as an adult from the head of Zeus. Um, <laughs> the characters are all in place and the actors have their mannerisms set. Watching it again, Buster's strange head clutching there is right there from the very first episode. 
The tone is already pitch perfect and it doesn't waver until the third season, except for that one weird episode with Martin Short playing Uncle Jack, which we will ignore wholeheartedly for the rest of tonight. Um, so here's a clip from halfway through the first season. The family has hired a publicist to make them more likeable, and it's amazing how much information this packs in about the family in just a few minutes. And so the family gathered at the model home, eager to hear their new publicist's plan. Get jobs and behave. Instead of us getting jobs, why don't you do your job and tell everyone we've got jobs? You know what? I have a job. Kiss us! <laughs> well, we were all thinking it. Uh, I'm unclear about what it is exactly you do. Excellent question. What a publicist does oh, is... no, I was talking to George Michael. When did you get a job? At the banana stand. Oh, duh. I thought you meant like a plumber or something, and I was like, when did that happen? <laughs> Jesse, why don't you just go ahead and jump in here? It's a tough group to keep focused. Well, I'm going to go on the offensive. I want to get an article in the paper to show that this is a functional family and this is a relatable family. Are we up? Hello! Hello from prison. Thanks uh, to Jesse for setting up this telelink. I've started a uh, Torah study group. Very excited about it. It looks like, I don't know, it looks like some, uh, have some possible converts. Your father's <laughs> religious now? We'll play that up. It's very sympathetic. Yeah, who doesn't love the Jews? And it allows me to put Michael front and center. He needs to be the new face of this family. He's the only likable one in the bunch. No offense. None taken. <laughs> I'm sorry, isn't Michael the least likable one in the family? No. There are very few intelligent, attractive, and straight men in this town. Well, that certainly leaves me out. <laughs> she said single. You did say single, correct? I thought I... I didn't quite hear that. The reception is bad, but as the Talmud tells us, the five as to a jackal, to the jackal, as to oxen. <laughs> Did you get a laugh? I'm sorry, I'm just still on the whole Michael being likable thing. You know that he's only had sex with like four women, right? Let's focus on your likability. You're going to start doing some charity work with your magic. Actually, I'm kind of the charitable one of the family. I think it's best if you got a job. Oh, come on, I'm a parent. I care about my daughter every bit as much as Michael cares about his son. What grade am I in? What kind of job? Something where you'll be seen. I represent Cloudmere Vodka, and they want someone to promote it by ordering it at a hot bar, a place like Rood. Okay, I'll do it. And Tobias, you're a medical doctor and you're living an absurd fantasy as an actor. It's time to get real. Wow. <laughs> Tough talk. But I like it. You're saying land a major film. I'm saying get your medical license back. I've set up a hearing for tomorrow in Boston. Michael has generously donated $1,100 for your trip. I'm sorry. I truly believe that the universe wants me to be an actor and not a doctor. I'm just waiting for a sign. Here's your cash. Universal Shuttle picks you up at 8. Any sign, <laughs> really. Sorry, uh, some of my students are arguing the significance of the shank bone on the uh, Seder plate. But that not, do not wag our genitals at one another to make a point. Thought-provoking. <laughs> and Lucille, people think you're cold. Hanukkah can be spelled so many ways. Oh, God! Buster. Right here. Ready to go. Action service. Get me out there. I want you to stay in. People find you odd and alienating. You make them uneasy. Stay out of the spotlight. I shall be neither seen nor heard. Watch me. You can always tell a Milford man. <laughs> 
So I only recently found out apparently what they say to Buster in that scene were actual notes given to the show. Um, the idea that Buster was odd and alienating and creeped people out so they should reduce his appearances in the early episodes. And they just quoted it verbatim in the show itself. Um, I do think that Buster's ability to hide Milford Academy style is one of the show's highlights. Um, so Arrested Development, I think, takes the infamous no-hugging, no-learning motto that Seinfeld had and pushes it even further. It's a show about family, but where family is almost always held up as the worst possible thing you can imagine. Let's not forget that even the supposed moral centre of the show, Michael, is the kind of father who gets his son to get glasses so he'll see that his girlfriend is ugly. Um, the closest it comes to actual affection is when Michael and Job announce, we're brothers and we kind of like each other. Um, the show is full of insincere speeches about the importance of family. It's like the characters have been brainwashed by the traditions of TV families before them. My favourite speech is the one from the first episode, where it turns out George Michael is right. Breakfast is more important than family. Um, as the opening credits say, the, it's the story of a wealthy family who lost everything, you can say this along with me, and the one son who had no choice but to keep them all together. But why does he have no choice? Because the show won't let him leave. He only gets to leave in the last episode when the show is cancelled. I think there is, though, a secret mission to the constant double entendre comedy of the Bluths, and it's to all the better destroy the idea of family. They're always inching towards being inappropriately sexual with each other. There's um, Motherboy 30, <laughs> a.k.a. Motherboy XXX. Franklin the puppet kisses Lucille and George Cena gets jealous. Michael and Maybe sing the surprisingly dirty Afternoon Delight together. And Tobias is constantly and unwittingly propositioning all the men in the family. <laughs> the show finally goes so far to cast Jason Bateman's actual sister as a potential love interest. And then barely an episode later to have his on-screen sister try to seduce him. Um, there are a lot of TV shows with difficult families, but deep down they usually claim to still love each other. Arrested Development is not one of those shows. Um, for the most part, in fact, I'd say Arrested Development still doesn't really feel like any other TV comedy. The faux doco style and the quick cutaways are now everywhere. But I think Arrested Development's odd rhythms and butchered musical cues and awkward comedy dead air still feel quite unique to me. Um, you can see its legacy in shows like Community and 30 Rock. That Frank Wrench joke could be a 30 Rock joke, but 30 Rock would have made it go for ten times as long. And I think maybe the underrated Malcolm in the Middle is probably an important touchstone for where this show came from. And Malcolm, in fact, gets a cameo in season three. But I think one of the closest siblings to Arrested Development is this, The Big Lebowski. Um, this slide doesn't really have anything to do with what I'm talking about, it's just awesome. Um, one of the great pleasures of watching the Coen brothers' Big Lebowski is how it plays with language, how one idiom will be used by one character and then infect all the other characters and move through the film. And I think that's the same with Arrested Development. So, you know, Job's B obsession I mentioned earlier the way the narrator picks up Onyong's broken English, um, or the ongoing and hilariously mean way they describe bland, I mean egg, I mean Anne. The, um, the line, it's as Anne as the nose on Plain's face, is one of my favourites. Um, it also has conceptual comedy to die for. 
like a man recording an album about race using ventriloquism, two things that can't be heard, only seen. That is some MC Escher comedy right there. Um, It reminds me of Fozzie Bear's classic joke on the Muppets audio album, which was, can't you hear my ears wiggle? I don't understand why this isn't working. Um, But with such a quotable show, and Acme even ran a competition for tickets of tell us your favourite quotes, what stops it being repetitive, catchphrase-driven comedy? What separates Job or Tobias from these men you see here? Um, No force on earth is going to make me do impressions of their catchphrases. I just want you to know that now. Um, Running jokes are often the death of TV comedy, forcing characters to become more shallow rather than more complex as the show goes on. I think the difference is probably the deep engagement that Arrested Development demands. Um, Deep engagement is something you often hear people talk about with franchises like Star Wars or Star Trek or The Matrix before it got terrible, um, where you can learn more about an interlocking deep universe by paying attention to novels, movies, toys and everything else. Um, Arrested Development does all of that within the show itself. Even the banana stand gets a surprising amount of pop culture history. It has a novelty single as a stoner landmark, a yearly tradition of throwing it in the ocean and a tragic Korean backstory by the time the show's done. Um, Look, maybe a better example, and I wrote this on the tram on the way in, is Arrested Development is the Lord of the Rings of TV comedy. Um, And this, for me, is the main difference with season three. Instead of looking inward, incestuously inward, you might say, the show begins to look outward more. We get the overt spy-style stuff of Mr F, which is kind of genre play you'd see more on something like Community now, I think. Um, And there are more topical pop culture references, whereas before the references have all been quite iconic. Peanuts, Gilligan, etc. It is still rooted in the politics of its day, um, but stuff like the Saddam body doubles and Bush's Mission Accomplished banner are still depressingly topical. And other gags are done so quickly the show doesn't even pause to notice them. I don't think I'd ever seen before that in this shot on the bottom, Barry Zuckercorn, a.k.a. Henry Winkler, a.k.a. The Fonz, actually jumps over a shark. (laughs) Um, So the third season gets specific, though, like in this visual gag about Jamie Kennedy's show. What show? Exactly. Who's Jamie Kennedy? Exactly. Um, So the season is still hugely funny, but I feel like it's a different kind of funny and one that's not so unique as the two seasons that came before it. That said, I know a lot of people don't, but I love the subplot with Rita at the beginning of season three. Not for the British stuff, which feels a bit odd for the world they'd created, but for Rita itself. The idea that the manic pixie dream girl, as cinema cliches have since called her, is only so fun and carefree because she's an MRF, a mentally retarded female, is hugely subversive. Rita is basically Natalie Portman in Garden State, okay? Deal with it. Um, Down to the outlandish headwear. Um, And season three obviously brings us the Anaurapus joke, which I show here just to show that joke had been sitting and waiting for someone to make it for so long. And then they finally did. And I'm like, how? How did we miss it? Um, Anyway, so third season's new comedy peaks in the Save Our Bluths episode. Um, It's in full meta mode. It promises a character death, gimmicks like 3D, 
and the narrator openly begs for more people to watch the show <laughs> to keep it on the air. In fact, I noticed watching it all through again, the narrator is the character who grows most over the course of the series. By the end, he's become so self-aware he's actively showing disgust or boredom at what the characters do <laughs> or is flicking around to different scenes to try and find something more interesting to watch. If there is to be more Arrested Development, I secretly hope it's the narrator's story. Um, anyway, in Save Our Bluths, Michael eventually decides that maybe the family are horrible, horrible people and don't deserve saving. It doesn't seem like a please, please watch our show as much as it does a fuck you for not watching our show. <laughs> and of course, it didn't save Arrested Development. And maybe to be saved, Arrested Development would have had to change and it wouldn't have been the show I loved anymore. And maybe that's why I just can't get excited about the fact that it's possibly coming back. Has any show that has come back ever lived up to the glory days before? Like, Futurama's come back and it's okay, but it's nothing like what it was. Um, I don't feel cheated by the end of Arrested Development like I did by the end of Firefly or Party Down. It got three seasons with seemingly no compromise. Um, a critic for The New Yorker recently wrote this, that TV is like a stage made of money, which I really love, which means every show must attract a billion eyeballs. And this is, of course, terrible if you want idiosyncratic television. I don't think it's a crime that we only got three seasons of Arrested Development. I think it's a miracle that we got three seasons of Arrested Development. And lately I've been burned by seeing so many art stories turn into business stories and so much internet commentary turn into people being backseat producers, always talking about demographics and box office and everything else, instead of paying attention to maybe the fact that we got a pretty good John Carter of Mars movie. <laughs> and suddenly all anyone's talking about is the fact that it's a crazy fiasco and Disney have lost all this money and whatever. It kind of hurts my heart. Um, as Malcolm says in his one-line cameo in Arrested Development, very sarcastically, oh, yeah, it's much more important to show how, the make, how we make the show than to actually make the show itself. I know that by mobilising fans and going meta with ratings troubles, these shows invite this kind of discussion, and we've seen it with shows like Community as well. Um, but I got to see Arrested Development, and you got to see Arrested Development, and for me, I think that's all that matters. Thank you. Um, I have a question, though, of something you said before, which was, is Michael the worst dad on TV? Go yeah. on. Um, George Bluth Sr. is almost a better father than Michael is throughout the entire show. <laughs> At least there's moments where George Bluth actually tried to teach his son something, even if... <laughs> You know, it ended up with, like, the cornballer and things didn't really end so well. <laughs> but at least that was something, whereas Michael is just actively disdainful of his son. Thoughts? Um, possibly. <laughs> but I will go into it further in my notes. No, um, I mean, I think that... Which I was going to talk about a little bit is that... I feel like there's sometimes a little bit of heart missing. So even mm -hmm. though uh, Michael sort of makes the movements of a father that sort of really loves his son, it seems to be more like... A child loves a toy like a belonging, and and he sort of uses him like that. You know what I mean? It's quite selfish mm. in the way that he handles it. Which I know it's just, I know it's a fucking comedy, and therefore it doesn't need to be Family Ties. Like I get that, but um, you may have a, a valid point that he's the worst father. But I didn't say that. You said that. Yeah, I did. Yeah, you well, said he that. is. Okay. I, I, there was in, when they're in the cabin, 
uh, in uh, the first episode of season three. That sounds like a nerdy thing, but I was just watching it. Um, they, uh, you know, they're sleeping together in the lounge room in sleeping bags, talking. And I did genuinely think, oh, I don't talk to my dad very much. Like, I, I thought, <laughs> oh, that's nice. He was trying to elicit a response about girls, and even if it's perfunctory, I thought, ah, there's something nice there. And rebelling so strongly against a sort of uh, alpha male father, I, I think Michael Blute's an, an OK dad. I think the only moments of heart in the whole show are George Michael and Buster. They're the only characters for me with any actual human light shining out of them, <laughs> okay. I think. Buster because he's too stupid to conceal it? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, right. he's, he has a few epiphanies I find quite moving when he realises the seal that bit off his hand was raised in captivity like him and he has sympathy for it. Yeah. That touched me. Yeah. Yeah. But not uh, in a. No, but I, one thing that blows me away is that a family of utter sociopaths I can feel quite empathetic towards. <laughs> and rich. I don't like people that are mega rich. And I, you know, I, I, I feel for them. So I think that's kind of genius that they're all quite villainous in their own way. And I still want to see them succeed as people. I don't like seeing them dragged down. Interesting. Jess, can we please welcome Jess? Your second right. <laughs> tell you what, I've never been more terrified to be the vaguely bad cop. You, you got me to be the bad cop during Glee, but what were they going to do? Jazz hand me outside Acme. <laughs> So I didn't really care. But I'm not, here's the thing. Like, I'm not really the bad cop because I don't not like the show at all. At all. And your argument, Martin, was very compelling. I found myself going, man, well, what's a good scene? Like, I get it. I get it. But I think that my thing with Arrested Development is that I just couldn't love it. And, I, and, I, and I, it's quite hard for me to figure out why. And when you asked me to do this, and I'd, I'd seen a bit of Arrested Development, but I went and bought all three seasons and sort of sat through them Really, like, I don't do that for fun. Like, I really wanted to... I mean, I do do it for fun, sorry. So I really wanted, I really wanted to like it. And I, and I, and I did, and I kind of laughed sometimes, but I didn't love it, and I've kind of been trying to figure out what it was that sort of wouldn't let it worm its way into my heart. I kind of feel, when I talk to Arrested Development fans and I say, you know, yeah, it's good, it's good. I think it's the best show that's ever been on television. They get really angry and defensive and then they kind of condescend to me and they say, you obviously don't get the jokes. And I go, no, I'm not an idiot. And sometimes I feel like, you know, the jokes are really obviously sharp and they're well-worded and, you know, sometimes they may be a little bit too obvious for me. Like, I get that there's a lot of layers, but sometimes the jokes... Do you remember uh, when, when Michael's talking to Lucille about the, the, the cabin... And he says, maybe you can take a date, date up there. And she says, how am I supposed to find someone willing to go into that musty old claptrap? <laughs> right? That's quite a good joke. I like that line. Then there's this pause. Everyone stares at each other. And like, it's like, yeah, I get it. The joke's happening. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm on board. You can move on. And then Michael goes, ah, oh, yeah, the cabin. Yeah, that too. And I'm like, I got, that, I got that you were talking about a vagina. Like, I get that. You don't need to circle it. But Tobias, like, I... He loves cock. No. Like I get, I get that joke. It's it's this one joke, and and it's like it's funny, but it kind of just goes for three seasons for me. Like even if it means me taking a chubby, I will suck it up. Like they were just like, basically one episode away from saying stick a cock in me. Like <laughs> it was just it was getting really obvious, but you know that's fine. I, I was looking into trying to find people on the internet like me, 
which is what the internet is for. People that maybe just, it's not that we hate it, we just don't get the love for it. And uh, there is some message, message board haters that I think, having, been, having witnessed them when I read it, shot down online by Arrested Development fans, I feel like they should still have maybe uh, something to say. And maybe we can agree that they might make some points. Killing Spree is the name of the guy that said this. <laughs> Killing Spree said, Arrested Development is overrated and not funny. A lot of my friends love the show and had me watch it with them. And I'm almost done with the second season and I just don't get it. I'm yet to have any lol moments or even crack a smile. Most of the characters aren't even remotely realistic or just too stupid. I can't believe everyone likes it. Soapbox Monkey said, A few of my friends raved about it, but it doesn't even come close to living up to the hype. It feels like a show that's more clever than it actually is. Then I thought I'll, I'll read some of the responses and see if there's some of those articulate Arrested Development fans that can explain to the rest of us that aren't quite in love with it. I will say this about you, Arrested Development fans. You're smug, and I love smug. This guy is the smuggest guy I've ever read on a message board in his response. That would be my phone. It's not expensive. (laughs) I think Arrested Development is the comedic equivalent of rich food. It is so densely packed with comedy, jokes and references that if you don't like it, it's the same as someone who thinks they have pretty good taste in food but doesn't like rich food, e.g. French cooking. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with you, but you have shown that you're definitely not a foodie. This show is so ingeniously conceived and well-written that it blows away every other comedy, except maybe Seinfeld, that I know of. It's not just another comedy, i.e. that some people are going to like and others aren't going to like it, as though it's a matter of taste. It is actually a singular and exceptional achievement in the realm of television. (laughs) Yishan Wong, Mountain View, California. Uh, So I kind of thought, wow, you are a dick. (laughs) Didn't make me sort of sympathetic to it. But I I think to pepper this, I might play a couple of clips just so you don't turn on me for not having (laughs) just said I really love it. There were some moments, genuine moments, where I did laugh. And here's, I keep wanting to hammer at home. It's not that I don't like it or I didn't even enjoy watching it. I just didn't get the love. This scene, number one, Jay, we're just communicating, um, is, is a scene that I remember as I was watching it, I kind of thought, I don't know that this would make it funny. But it, it's, it's where, um, it, it's a narrator making a joke that I didn't, didn't find. This is me not finding something funny. <laughs> Clip one. The next day, Michael took off work to man the banana stand while his son manned a banana. How you doing there, champ? Is my name champ? It's so hot. Okay, why don't you take five? Yeah, it's not including the five minutes it takes me to get out of this thing, right? You're not getting out of Attention, it. Attention, everyone. Why go to a banana stand when we can make your banana stand? I give you Barbara and Dee. Don't worry. These young beauties have been nowhere near the bananas. That... Are they strippers? If I know your uncle, they're at least strippers. I guess we gotta up the ante. No, Dad, they're, they're just gonna up it and it'll go back and forth all day. If that's what it takes, that's what we're gonna do. And they did. But it was less entertaining than you might imagine, <laughs> no matter what music was put under it. Big <laughs> <laughs> 
It was kind of funny to Yellow Submarine, but who could afford it? <laughs> so here's what happened at the end. Hey, stop, stop fighting! Hey, stop it! That's it! That's it! That's it! All right, okay? This is insane. We're just boy fighting again. It's funny that I remembered it, actually. Um, when he kind of was like, it would be funny under different music artists, I was like, I just am not, I'm not loving it. But then I thought, I can't just bring you a scene that didn't really do much for me. And maybe I'm just dead inside because you guys are loving it. I'm going, that scene's going to be shit and no one can dispute it. And then I, even I kind of enjoyed it with you guys laughing. <laughs> it's a worrying turn of events. Um, okay, so then I thought, I watched, I was actually at your house, Jackie. Um, and she heard me laughing from the other room and she kept yelling out, you find it funny! <laughs> Accusingly. These are two things that I, I, I laughed at while watching season three, episode nine. I'm not saying it took till season three, episode nine before I laughed. Can we just play, uh, Jay, clips two and three together? I said to the teacher, I said, you poison her, I'll poison you. George Sr. did more than just say it. He sent the man a basket of poison muffins. Do you know the Muffin Man? There's a reward in it if you do. Then, would you like some foam in your coffee? It's called a cup of Kino, and wait till you see what it costs. <laughs> oh, I thought you looked like that guy in Director. You guys are identical twins? Identical quintuplets, actually. There was Andy, the show-off, Donnie, the sensitive one, Cherith, the flirt, Rocky, the risk-taker, and Andy's stunt double, and Emmett, who asked that we not show his picture, although composite <laughs> photography tells us he looks something like this. Amazing. I did really enjoy that bit. Particularly the cappuccino bit. I like anything that's an old flashback with a bit of a comedy voice. You won't believe what it costs. I thought that was actually very, very funny. Uh, um, I have mentioned Tobias and his one-note joke, but... You guys seem to like that, so maybe we'll play clip five and just appreciate the fact that Tobias very subtly may have some homoerotic desires. It's hard to tell, though, the writing's very subtle about that. It was the first time someone took Tobias aside and he wanted to thank you. As much as I hate losing Lindsay and everything, I feel like I'm making a friend in you. So I was wondering if maybe tonight you just want to uh, take in a movie or a spitz. Or, or just stay in and nest. <laughs> Actually, I was going to stay in my office tonight and work on my law blog. Of course, the Bob blah blah law blog. <laughs> wow, you, sir, are a mouthful. <laughs> that was funny, like, the first ten times. But still, I get, I get that it's kind of funny. I, I get, like, I get what I'm... I don't even know what I'm arguing anymore. You guys are really peer-pressuring me a lot. Um... I think I worked with a TV writer once and she gave me a piece of advice and she said that kind of the best comedies that you can love are the ones that have a bit of heart. Now, I know that that's the whole argument, Martin, that you were kind of saying, that the kind of great thing about this, and maybe Seinfeld as well, is that there isn't heart. That's kind of the beauty of it. They're meant to be a family of sociopaths. But maybe that's why I can't feel for it the way that other people can because maybe for some bizarre reason it's really important for me to have characters that kind of underneath the bickering and the one-liners and stuff like that have a lot of heart. And it's weird because you can, I can see the influence that it had on shows like 30 Rock that I really love. And when people say to me, I don't get 30 Rock, I think, are you an idiot? Are you a uh, 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 MRF? Joke, <laughs> <laughs> I picked up on it. Um, but yeah, it, 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 I, I think maybe it's not for everybody. Maybe it does take repeated viewings, which is why you guys love it and you own it and you watch it over and over and there's lots of layers and jokes. The subtleties of the stuff like Henry Winkler sort of jumping over the shark. That's 
that's good. I enjoyed that. I missed it when it happened. Uh, a guy on a website said, if you're a multitasker, you won't get arrested development because you might be looking at your phone or something like that while things are happening. I didn't do that. I tried to pay a lot of attention to soaking up three, episodes, three series sorry, in a couple of weeks. But, yeah, I, I, I think that the other argument that you made is kind of valid. Maybe it was so sharp and so quick-witted that that's why it couldn't get its audience because there was almost too much going on. It was too dense. It, it was the thing that destroyed it in the end because it couldn't find the audience that it needed to stay alive. But if it had done that and if it had simplified itself a little bit, if maybe it hadn't been just joke, 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 and the characters maybe... For me, I, I find the characters a little bit like sort of cardboard cutouts. I don't think that there's a lot of depth to them. That's fine. They, they serve the purpose that they do and often they're, they're a vehicle for, for making these really amazing quips and, and I have no argument with the writing. The writing is really sharp and the actors are really great. Like, I get that as well but I think that maybe the, the lack of heart and the lack of depth in the characters make it hard for me to love them but if you change that and if you changed it into a show that maybe more people could have become attached to, it wouldn't be Arrested Development and you guys wouldn't be here loving this really cult show. So in the end, I don't know what I feel anymore. Uh-huh. <laughs> maybe I kind of like it. I'm going to go back and watch it a bit more. <laughs> Thanks for being um, less creepy than the Glee <laughs> So rather than have a bit of chit-chat now on the couch, I thought you should just sit here and think about what you've just said. <laughs> I don't know what I just said. I'm not sure I got my point in the end. You made a really... like. I, honestly, it's kind of... Maybe I needed to not be watching it by myself and maybe it would have been... Re- There's someone, I can see you nodding really heartily in the crowd. You should have, loser. Um, but maybe, maybe that's kind of the thing. And, and, you know, the people that I know that really love the show as well, it seems to be quite a shared experience. They, they've always got that friend that they watched Arrested Development with, that thing that they could both fall in love with, it, quip it back and forth. So... You know, maybe, maybe I did Arrested Development wrong. Maybe, maybe. I was living in a share house when I first saw it, and that was a very uh, communal thing. And you, you can't watch just one. That's what, that's what blows me away about it being a weekly sitcom. Mm. The, the idea that one would be enough is kind of ridiculous. Like, it's, it's so addictive. Um, and then when I told a friend that I was going to be doing this, they was like, can I come around? And, you know... He never wants to see me any time else. So, like, arrested, dragged him out of the house to see me. So there, there is, I think, a communal aspect to it, and I think you did it wrong. Mm. I think I did it wrong too now, maybe. <laughs> but, but there's also this idea that when it came out in, like, 2005, or 2004, 5, 6, pre-Twitter, pre-Facebook, pre-YouTube, like, there's something... That makes it even more cultish and makes us even more ridiculous. Like, we, we enjoy the cachet that that gives because it was, it was harder to share. Would you agree that it doesn't have... It misses a lot of heart? Because I find that even stuff at The Office, for me, like, I know it's sacrilege. Maybe it's sacrilege to say, I don't know. I don't care how to say it. Um, you know, with The Office, and it's kind of... To say that the American one is better than the English one is kind of a bit weird. But what I, what I kind of liked about the American one is that I think it did develop a lot of heart. So did the English one as well. But David Brent, I mean, Ricky Gervais, it's a, it's a genius character because it's so awful. He's so awful, except for those tiny redeeming moments where you kind of find yourself going, oh, I can't actually hate him 100%. But I, I think that um, I could still feel sad for a lot of the characters and I still cared about their outcome. And... You could watch an episode of The Office which had some of the most abysmal characters ever and sometimes well up with tears at, at particularly beautiful moments. And I just, 
Maybe, maybe I'm too much of a sook because I, I, I needed to find that and I think I was searching for it and maybe it was unreasonable for me to be searching for it in Arrested Development when the entire point of it is that it's not there and that's kind of the whole point of the family. You can't look at a steak and wish it was a hamburger. Well, you, you can. You can. You I'm a vegetarian. To. I don't know why I'm eating either. It's wrong. But I think you're exactly right about... Like, David Brent is an over-the-top character mm. but there are shades of a real character mm. in him. I don't think any of the characters on Arrested Development seem like real people. No. But that I don't understand interfere. why they all want to have sex with each other as well. <laughs> that was really troubling for me. It's like, you know, as it started unfolding, I was going, oh, Buster and his mother have a... Whoa, like, wait, wait, Michael and his sister have a... Wait, why is that guy always wanting dick? What the what? Nah. And then by the end, when, when, you know, Lindsay literally jumped on top yeah. of Michael, at the end I was like... What is this show? What is, why is it happening? At one point, Buster does end up in bed with a little cleaning robot. His mother is born. Because they're both machines. And, what, and why, does, yeah, why does Lucille kind of... She clearly finds him tedious, and yet at other times, just, just to be creepy, seems to really want to egg it on. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get Maybe it. you just like your family too much. <laughs> Not that much. <laughs> you trying to take it? Sure. Dad All right. Everybody. Thanks very much. This looks like a lot of notes, but it's really just emblematic of confusion. I, uh, I'm young, everybody. <laughs> Thank you, finally. Good. Uh, no, I didn't know that I liked Arrested that much. I remember at the time being infatuated with it, and then six years have gone by, and I thought, oh, I wondered what all the fuss was about, and I was a bit like, Jess. Then I re-watched it recently, and was in awe. Like, I, and it's such, basically, you know, comedy is, to me, comedy is a bit like sex. Like, I don't want to talk about it. I would prefer to just do it or watch other people do it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, this is not, dissecting comedy is like one of my least favourite things. So I was watching it, even with that in mind, thinking, I hate dissecting comedy. This is going to be a nightmare. And... It wasn't. And I, I, I cracked up. I loved it. My God. And th- one of the reasons why it might titillate us but also surprise us that it didn't get more mass appeal is because there are so many generic... Like, Tobias is so bluntly sexual. I was watching... I had to watch... What a wank. Who says I had to watch? I was watching Two and a Half Men. <laughs> and and uh, there was a line that was like... You know, Ashton Kutcher goes, oh, she tickled my fancy because she's English and he was using an English idiom. And the kid goes like, well, kid, he's like 40 now. He, yeah. he, he says, oh, is fancy an uh, English word for nutsack? And I thought, right. That's the okay. smartest thing that's happened on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ever. So I was like, that's the most watched show, by the way. So, and I thought, oh, well, but Arrested has that sort of stuff. Like, you know, I was watching before and Tobias is putting makeup on his face and said, you know, I, I blew myself early so I, you know, could, would be nice and relaxed for a dinner reservation. <laughs> and I thought, and that's part of why, because there is, like, obvious stuff that is in there amongst the clever stuff. We, I think, are kind of surprised that not more people like it. And the last four episodes of the entire season, of season three, the, the final four episodes were shown all in a... I know. (laughs) What is it with this place? Um, The final four episodes uh, were screened back to back all at once, up against the closing, the opening ceremony of the Olympics. (laughs) (laughs) 
like, and that's that's like a mind blowing disregard. But um, yeah, what was it? If it wasn't a phone, it's like a remote. Oh, Sorry about right. That, yeah. Where was it? Was it there? Um, I like to put it just on the edge, hovering. So yeah, no, I appreciate that. That's it great. On the ground. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, the whole thing with the fact that there's no heart, I find that interesting because it's about a family, and there are nine characters. Like the opening, the opening title sequence is 17 seconds, and we are introduced in 17 seconds to the universe. Like we know the situation. And we know each of the uh, characters and their relationship to each other. Nine characters in 17 seconds. And, you know, they all each have a different dynamic with each other. So nine by nine, what's that, like 81? I cannot do that. And, yeah, we're all humanity students. <laughs> and, uh, so, and they're minus nine because they double up. So there's 72 <laughs> individual relationships going on. And to me, they make sense. And to me, there's heart in that. And I think the writing is so sharp. And Mitchell Hurwitz, who created it, was a writer on The Golden Girls. So he's no alien to kind of sentimentality. And I think he's just too good at it because he can encapsulate sentimentality in a line, you know, which is why, the, you know, it's a little cornball. Like that's, it takes someone so good at sentiment to be able to... And it's such a crap joke. Like, the, the, the way to have confidence in, a like, a joke that would have been funny kicking around a writer's room. Like, oh, let's get Judge Reinhold <laughs> to host a courtroom show and then we'll just call it Mr Reinhold. <laughs> like, that's fine. But then to bring that to life takes such balls. Uh, I, I love that. Um, yeah, and you can also... Honestly, the density of the program, the 9 by 9 characters... By the way, look at us. The Arrested Development ranked number 38 on the list of stuff white people like. So, <laughs> uh, which is, and it's true that if you see, you know, the orange box in the DVD thing, it's, it turns you on. Um, <laughs> but in terms of the density, I watched uh, one episode and I thought, okay, let's actually get to the bottom of this density. And I wrote down not everything that happened, just how the story evolved, like just how it propelled itself forward. And each episode's, what, like 19 minutes, like 20 minutes. And if I read it out, it would just be tedious. So it starts with... No, um, no but I'm not kidding. This is... I, I won't do it, but I wrote down every bloody... Uh, we're talking mass confusion. Like, it makes no sense. It washes over you. And I had to watch... I watched one episode five times to understand what happened. And I urge you to do the same. And then, and that's why it is like Lord of the Rings, because it's just ridiculously complex. But because the jokes are so broad, you forget about it. And the, the story is so complex, and yet you can watch epi- any episode in any order. That's what weirds me out. Anyway, I'd, can you believe that I watched that five... And all I end up doing is putting sheets of paper on another table. What a waste of time. Um, but can we, can we just see some stuff? Because season three isn't loved... And that's what I watched first recently, and it still shits all over a lot of other stuff, I reckon. And these are just highlights from the first two episodes of season three. Don't buy! Don't buy! (laughs) Huh? Mom, did you see that? Don't buy, (laughs) Blue! You build a house that's good, people are going to want to (laughs) come. 
the sinkhole spread a little bit more? <laughs> well, apparently, mood-altering medication leads to street drugs. That's what this very handsome young doctor said on the Today Show. That was Tom Cruise, the actor. <laughs> they said he was some kind of scientist. <laughs> no, bye. We did it, Mikey. We're super rich again. And I'm going to buy a car, the Volvo. No, Lindsay, you're not going to start spending money, and this is not a Volvo. Oh, I'm not going to spend Lindsay. Michael, I've got nothing. My husband dumped me and ran off to Vegas with Kitty, that bleach blonde whore. He's definitely got a type. I can't believe he left me. I mean, this, and these, and this. That's the car. No. <laughs> this. Kind of didn't spring for color. <laughs> you wouldn't have the guts to go through with the divorce. You're one to talk. You haven't had a serious relationship since your wife and... You guys weren't even speaking toward the end. A lot of that was the coma. <laughs> I heard your side of it. And you want to go after these people? Well, yes, it takes a little courage, Michael. I know that's not your strongest suit. You're, you're even scared to ask a girl out on a date. Wait, no, wait, why does everybody think that I'm scared of girls? Because you're a chicken. You're a chicken. Cuckoo kacha! Cuckoo kacha! What are you doing? My God, women! A cuckoo kacha! I haven't found a girl when I do, I will ask her out. Has anyone in this family ever been seen a chicken? Look at the perfect date! I will give it one day, all right? I'll see if there's any evidence of these nefarious Brits. But I'm warning you, if I can't, we're pleading guilty. You're either going back to jail, or if the judge shows absolutely no mercy at all, you'll be staying here with my mother. Lindsay, didn't want to tell you earlier, but I did get you a car. Is it the Lexus? It's more like a Lincoln. <laughs> oh, come on! Uh, are you from Wee Britain? Great Britain, actually. I, I was wondering if you might be willing to go somewhere with me. I, I would pay you. You pay me? Not, not for sex. You know, think that I'm Jack the Ripper, right? And then he killed prostitutes or. I'm not a prostitute. <laughs> and I shall let you live. It's <laughs> my worst hello. Let me try again. My name is Michael. Rita. So I need access to these files that are apparently for British eyes only. Well, lucky for you, my whole face is British. <laughs> it's just a cross. Wait, wait, wait. I don't suppose that, you, that you're here tomorrow morning. Oh, no, not in the morning, no. I'll be back at Slowbrook. Slowbrook, the, the private school. Oh, you teach kids, huh? Oh, I like to think they teach me. Hey, what, how to eat crayons, throw tantrums? Oh, no, not when I'm there. I'm very good. I, I, I didn't mean to uh, impugn <laughs> your ability or... Uh, it's turning into one of my worst goodbyes. Farewell, and uh, our paths shan't cross again. <laughs> As you like it. Michael would have walked away forever, but he was struck by something he remembered from his childhood. <laughs> Oh, must be the poppins. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, it's wrong. No, 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 it's good. I liked it. It's just, I was going to ask you, preschools just go half day, right? And I'm not, I'm not trying to pick you up, but is there any way that I can, uh, I can come by, pick you up, bring you here? Yeah, I, I, um, I suppose I could sneak out at nap time. Yes, perfect. Mm. Great. And I shall drop you off alive, hooker or not. <laughs> Joe. I know you're looking for a twin for your illusion, and there's somebody I'd like to put in a plug for. Oh, correction. Make that 4,000 plugs. Oh, no. oh, no. Okay, he's 
I, I was scared too, but I realized it was a being a leading man. Oh, I can just taste those meaty leading man parts of my mouth. Right, listen to me, the trick has changed. We want you to play me now. Well, but that would mean I'd have to sh shave my very tender head. I see. Okay, well, perhaps uh, I jumped the gun on those new headshots. <laughs> it's been a week, nothing's happened. Yeah, but you're not the one stuck under house arrest like a sitting duck. Oh, yeah, that's my father. That, that's why we had the meeting here, so that he couldn't interfere. Interfere? I'd have pulled down your pants and spank your ass raw. I'm sorry, have we met? <laughs> yes, this is Larry Middleman. He's your father's surrogate. Surrogate? That's right, you dumb <laughs> I hired this guy to wear a camera in his hat so he could be my eyes and ears while I'm stuck in this penthouse. This camera helps him keep tabs on you idiots while this thing rubs my ankle raw. I mean... Look at this thing. I can't even go in the hallway without hearing that beep, beep, beep. I know my kidding. She's too good for me. How do you think I feel? Bob Blah Blah is a handsome, professional man, and I'm only used to, well, none of those things. Okay, Lindsay, are you forgetting that I was a professional twice over, an analyst and a therapist, the world's first analyst? Yes, and you were almost arrested for those business cards. <laughs> yes, no, it did not look good on paper, but I didn't stop because of the police inquiries. I stopped to raise our little daughter. But since we both have started to grow hair in unexpected places, I suppose I shall soon be working as a leading man, and she may soon start dating. Maybe had already started dating. Another date with uh, Steve Holt? <laughs> yeah... Getting pretty serious. They weren't. She was just avoiding her real crush on George Michael. That Steve sure knows how to please a lady. Good. I was hoping he would be gifted sexually. <laughs> and I guess it makes sense, you know, uh, older guys expect certain things. They do. What a fun, sexy time for you. <laughs> on the next Arrested Development, Lindsay tries to work off her debt with blah, blah, blah. I'm willing to debase myself. Get a maid's uniform and come by my house around seven. No way to misinterpret that. Except the one. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, sorry about that overload. But I thought even, like, the last, even that last thing with uh, Lindsay isn't the best joke in the world, but every joke is executed, no matter what the standard, to what I think perfection. Like, she is... You know, dresses made putting out a bin, and yet they still invoke the rule of threes and have two Hispanic, you know, cleaners coming at the exact same time putting their bins out, not in the uniform. And it's just that attention to detail. You can tell it's a show made by people who love television, unlike a lot of other sitcoms. Uh, anyway, I've got more to say, but it might come up in a chat. Is that possible? Sure. Uh, cool. Thanks, everybody. But. <laughs> It's interesting, I heard, and someone else might know if this is true, that there was an offer to keep it on the air at the time, but for a much reduced budget. And they actually said they couldn't keep the show going because they couldn't spend all the money on a two-second cutaway or a yeah. half-a-second cutaway, and they were worried what that would yeah, mean. Yeah, it'd be a huge compromise. Mm. But, but even not the, not the big sets or anything that bring enjoyment. Like, Michael Sarah, like, you know, you've got nine people, nine cast members dividing, you know, 19 minutes... And yet he seemed to, like, create, like, understated, self-effacing geek comedy. Like, he took it somewhere yeah. else. He invented a goddamn genre that everybody else is milking. And that employs him now. Yeah, yeah, it employs him professionally. And he's a big movie star because of yeah. that. And the fact every actor brought so much. It's the best car show I've ever seen. 
And Jason Bateman is the best straight man in the history of television. Mind you, like, the fact... His stuff with Rita, like, that's just... Man, it's beautiful. And she... She, Charlize Theron, okay, is playing a character. She's playing a mentally disabled person to her father or carer. Uh, And by the way, that's another element of incest because she was retarded because of the cousins. Uh, Sorry. Um, And so she's playing a mentally disabled person to her carer. She's playing a spy to uh, the audience. And she's playing a love interest to Mark. To Michael, like three things in a tiny guest character, it's just too dense, and and it's like it's too dense to be popular. And when its density is like the enemy of quiet reflection and sentimentality, so I can understand that, which is why even the sentimentality is so curt. I've talked for about five minutes. I'm sorry, <laughs> but I see. I think you're right for all of the talk of it being so clever, and um, you know, for all of the smugness you found online. Which hmm. you reading those things out reminded no, that me that guy was pretty smug. <laughs> those are people they would have had on the show and made fun of yeah. on the show. Yeah. Um, it's actually pretty broad and goofy. Like mm. the ongoing chicken dance joke yeah. is not exactly yeah. highbrow exactly. comedy. Well, I, asked, I asked Twitter today. I was like, well, you know, do you do you love or hate Arrested Development? Let me know, 140 characters or less. And someone wrote back, I don't know if they're here, but they wrote, they wrote, every member of the family had their own chicken dance. Nuff said. <laughs> it's true. I think it's true. <laughs> Do you really? I, mean, I genuinely think, like, the fact that nine characters and they're all, they're all vain, they're all stupid, and yet none of them overlap. Like, that, what a complex universe that is. That's... The, the fact it's such a giant universe, mm. and and the fact the chicken dance is almost a metaphor for that. I did not expect to be getting this passionate. <laughs> <laughs> I think that person on Twitter is correct, and that is the genius of the show. And it's why I think the ongoing Tobias is gay joke works so well because it's just one thing, and then they just have they riff on it for three seasons. And every episode, it's like, what new one can we come up with? What mm. new one can we find? And I find there's a real creative joy in that as it goes really? on. That said, Mrs. Featherbottom is easily the best moment he has. I still occasionally sing, you must always read the label to myself. Uh, I enjoyed that clip, those clips, though. I was laughing away. They were actually like a lot of the moments that I was thinking were the best ones as well. Right, particularly cool. that, that joke. I, I mean, I was actually really surprised in watching it at how much I enjoyed Portia de Rossi as well. Oh, my God. At Lindsay Bluth, a character that I probably, probably actually I reckon I liked the mm. most. I don't know why it's so important for me to like characters, but apparently it is. But I, she's kind of shit, but she's also really <laughs> funny. And that line where she's like, where she goes, you know, you weren't even talking to your wife towards the end. Yeah. And he goes, she's in a coma, and she's like, I've heard your side of it. <laughs> yeah. I, I pissed myself at that. That was brilliant. And that's the thing, like, the, I think that I'm really difficult because, like, deliberately difficult, because the second, like, Arrested Development fan gets in my face... I kind of look for reasons to hate it because I'm so angry at them for being so angry at me for not loving it. But I think the truth is I actually do really like it. I just maybe maybe need to keep rewatching it. But we, we you know, sketch comedy, it's, we're talking about it like sketch comedy, like, oh, this joke is good, that joke is that joke. But the coat hanger that all hangs off, and I, I can't stress this enough... Please, oh my hands, okay. <laughs> it's just so uh, like the episode that I saw where it starts with Jim Cramer, special mm. guest star. Uh, you know, it uh, he says the company is going better, so he goes to the prison to gloat. The 
you know, the prisoner is Oscar, the uncle, not him. So he goes to Reno to find... And without analysing it, I just all let that wash over me. And it just goes on and on and on. And Tobias and Kitty, it's... I think the reason why it works for us and the reason why we think it's smart is almost on a subconscious level. Like, we, we can't consciously be... We can't consciously be conscious of all these uh, uh, plot points. So maybe we pat ourselves on the back. I don't know why we pat ourselves on the back. But you do. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the idea that something's overrated is a really complicated idea because it's not the show's fault. No, it's it. not. It's not at all. And, you know, and I really hate that as well, that, mm. that when people are, oh, it's overrated. No, you might not just get any enjoyment out of it. That's, like, that's a little bit different to mm. saying that a show is overrated. So I should try and avoid to using that term because it, I think that the real thing is that... I, I, I'm not talking me, but when people use it, they're really saying, I don't like it and I am the smartest person alive. <laughs> Ergo, the show is terrible. You know, and that's not true at all. And I, I realise I have that same smugness with 30 Rock as well. When, when I, and I know people that say, eh, it's all right, 30 Rock, I just don't love it. And I go, oh, you crazy. But I think the, the thing that you guys are blessed with as, as sort of Arrested Development devotees is the fact that it, maybe it did end at exactly the right point, maybe dragging it out longer. I mean, as someone that loves 30 Rock, I, I can admit, like, that show's outstayed mm. itself. It's not, a, it's not a bad show mm. still. It's still better than most of, most of what's on television. It's still got great jokes in it. still got great jokes. Still better than 90% of what's on the telly. But I think that if it had ended maybe... I mean, look, if it ended at the end of season three, but maybe it pushed at the end mm. of season four, it would have been just perfect. Mm. And we could have these nights where, you, you know... You guys are great because it, no, but we could play anything from Arrested Development and you piss yourselves at yeah. it. I play you the bit that I go, this is the worst scene that, uh. I, that, I, that I didn't enjoy at all. And you loved it. And not only did you love it, but you loved it so much that you kind of made me go, you know, people are laughing when the freeze frame comes up before the clip starts because yes. you're like, oh, it's this bit. Yeah, yeah, that is dedication. You know, but that's when you when you when you love a show, that that's how you feel about it. Like I can look at a picture of sort of. Liz Lemon and really and know exactly which scene it was and the line that came next and, and love it and I I get that that intense love and you know you have a right to it and and I, I don't wish to, to make you feel bad about that. Well, I don't hate it. I don't hate You're it. gonna talk a bit about how people found the show, right? Yeah, no. This idea. Yeah. Let's how do about it. That now? Thank you, everybody. Okay, can I get a show of hands for people? Who discovered the show on DVD? Oh. Okay, who discovered the show through illegal downloading of torrents or illegal streaming? Who discovered the show watching it on Channel 7, 11.30pm? Ah. Okay, there's a few more people than I would have thought. Okay, the thing with the rest of the development is, for a show of which has struggled to gain an audience while the show was on air, and I guess even sort of struggled a little bit sort of once it's gone off the air in terms of DVD sales and whatnot, it's interesting that today in 2012, Arrested Development is actually going to be the future of television. And let me sort of explain why. But first, some backstory. Um, after a few years of discussion constantly... Sorry, can we stop this video for a moment? <laughs> <laughs> We're coming to it, I promise. Um, there was an event that took place in maybe August last year at the New Yorker Festival. And what happened was Mitch Hurwitz and the entire cast of the show came out and they addressed the question of which everyone's been asking them for years, which is, when's the movie coming out? And they said, we've got a movie coming out, but we also have a TV show coming out. And what they're going to be doing is, over, I think it's eight or nine episodes, I guess it be nine, because nine characters throughout, um, every episode will focus on a specific character from the show. So there'll be a Lindsay episode, there'll be a um, Michael character episode, all the way through. 
So all the characters, it's probably not a Steve Holt episode, which upsets me a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> However, every week will be like a new thing. Now, what's kind of interesting about this is, I mean, first of all, the show's not going to be any good, and for the exact <laughs> reasons why Martin sort of laid out, which is other than Battlestar Galactica in 1980, there has never been a TV show <laughs> which has come back to the air, which has been better than the original, and for the two people that saw it, you know, whatever. Oh, okay, so basically it's not going to be any good, but it's coming out, and it's the future of television because it's going to be on Netflix. And does anyone actually know what Netflix is all about in the audience? Uh, some nods are going around. Is there anyone illegally streaming it on their TVs at home already? No? Is yeah. that possible? <laughs> Can you tell What's us up? how? Okay, well, it is pretty awesome, and I'm going to show you how Netflix works. Um, so at home, it's, this wasn't on my computer at all. <clears throat> um, yeah, but if you could play the video, we'll sort of run through. Basically, the way Netflix works is it's kind of like iView, where you've got, you know, what all the shows are, and it's sort of laid out. So you can see my little cursor here on my computer as we scroll back and forth. Um, so, for example, you can see Portlandia there, which I absolutely hate, but people seem to love. And I think I'm in Jess's camp on this one, where people love that show, and I just don't get it. Okay, but people go nuts. Uh, there's a show called Lily Hammer here, which is a little bit interesting, because this is the first ever production for Netflix. But what's a bit weird about it is Netflix just kind of put it up one day, and it's like eight or nine episodes of a Soprano-style sort of spin-off of sorts. It stars Steve Van Zandt, who played Silvio in the show, and it's kind of like his character gone to the town of Lillehammer in Norway, if I got that right, and it's basically him, a mobster, dealing with being in the Witness Relocation Program. Anyway, it's, it's a <laughs> bit it's weird. It's comedy, right? It's not great. It's kind of a comedy. It's a bit like Northern Exposure, but with guns, sure. which is it's pretty good in its own right. Northern Exposure needed, let's be honest. Well, I do think so. Uh, but anyway, we can sort of see here, these are the sort of shows on here. So you've got like The Office and Lie to Me and uh, a bit of Top Gear on there, Grey's Anatomy. They're usually newest shows, Friday Night Lights, which I'm sure a bunch of you hipsters will be into. Um, awesomeness like The Power Rangers Samurai, which, you know, I'm totally into. Um, we'll have a few options on here. So you can actually say, hey, I'm really into this thing. So just saying you saw me being enthused about Return of the Killer Tomatoes, Dirty Dancing, not so much. Phase 7, check that movie out, it's totally rad. Um, made in Manhattan, awesome, I don't know why I gave it one star. Um, <laughs> Notting Hill, I've wavered a little bit and gotten two stars. Troll Hunter, overrated, let's be honest. Okay, but essentially what I'm doing is telling Netflix what I'm into and what I'm not. Okay, and that'll be important to why oh, rest of development's amazing. Sweethearts. come on. I know, I was unfair to that. Uh, so you can see here, it's got a few other things. There's like some stand-up comedy specials on here. Um, I went through a bit of an obsession with Grindhouse and... Uh, that kind of film. Um, here I'm looking at Switchblade, Switchblade Sisters. I've gotten a little distracted at this point, and I've added it to my instant queue, and then I've gotten distracted by all the other things on here, and I think Bare Knuckles might have been what I was looking at next. And Yeah, there we go, I'm adding that to my instant queue as well. Man, that thing looks awesome. Are we interrupting something? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. But anyway, essentially, this is what Netflix is all about. It's about surfing various shows that you're kind of into, and Netflix learning what it is that you're you know, getting obsessed with. And that'll be important in a moment. What else have I looked at here? Um, you can, essentially, what it's done is picked up all these sort of categories based off things I have been watching. So, for example, um, I watched some sort of cartoon thing, so Woody Woodpecker's popped up. And this video goes on a really long time. What was I doing? Okay, but in a moment, here we go. I've typed in Arrested Development, because that's on a Netflix. And you can see here how it works, where it's selected it, I've clicked a little button. It's come up. And the awesome thing about it is, We'll actually go back up to the show in a second. You can download every single episode of Arrested Development, and you just go through a menu and you say, you know, I want to watch an episode from season two, and you click the button, season two starts. And for all these TV shows, like there's nine seasons of The X-Files on there. Okay, and so you can go through and say, I really want to see that Fluke Man episode, click the button, on it comes. 
And it's, you know, like iView, but with lots and lots of stuff on here. And we can see here I'm watching this one. This can just find a background. But why this is actually all important is it really indicates how Netflix works and why Arrested Development is coming back to Netflix. So it represents two things. The first is there's going to be a radical shift in the way that TV shows are greenlit. So first of all, Netflix, as I said a moment ago, has greenlit the show Lilyhammer, which is a show that wouldn't really get picked up anywhere else, but Netflix can kind of make it work. I'll explain why in one sec. But there's some other shows coming as well. So there's House of Cards, which is a remake of a UK series from the early 90s, which some of you may or may not have seen, and that's going to be produced by Kevin Spacey and starring him with the pilot directed by David Fincher, which is going to be amazing. Um, Arrested Development's coming back to Netflix, and also Kenji Kohan, who created Weeds, is going to have a new show on there. And the choice of these three shows represents what I'm calling the nicheification of where TV's heading. So what happens is Netflix monitors everything we're watching. So you saw all the really crappy choices of things on there, and that's based off things I've been watching. So for example, if I've watched an episode by Saved by the Bell or Rescue Me, and then I've marathoned eight episodes of Arrested Development, Netflix has learned that I'm into those things, and it's selected other shows I might be interested in based upon that. But what it's also doing for Netflix is, if they're looking at creating original TV shows, they've actually seen what I'm really into and what I'm just a little bit into. So they might go and buy a few TV shows like Saved by the Bell, which we can all agree is awesome, <laughs> but they buy that, but when they're actually looking at spending money into a show that they really want to produce, they'll look at the fact I've streamed eight episodes of Arrested uh, Development one evening and say he's really into that, and so much of a percentage of our audience are kind of into that as well, let's make a show like that, or make that show again, which is kind of what they're doing. Okay, so effectively, with all this sort of targeted marketing, not only can they recognize the sort of shows they should be bringing back, but they can also look at the wide base of everybody else who's streaming programs. And let's say that there's a bit of a lull for people like myself, so people in their early 30s who are male and really like sort of quirky comedies. Um, they've obviously watched a lot of Battlestar Galactica, and they've recognized that I'm a nerd, but they've sort of extrapolated that maybe people like myself are no longer sub sub subscribing to Netflix. And so what they can actually do from that is start tailoring shows and get shows into production that would kind of suit my demographic. And that's kind of why Arrested Development is the future of television. Because what it's doing is, for people like everyone in this room, and I'm making a really broad assumption that you're all kind of like me. What? Well, a little bit. <laughs> um, I'm imagining every single person in this room aren't necessarily going home and watching My Kitchen Rules every night, but rather you're watching shows that you've downloaded online or there's DVD box sets of shows that you're really into. And the typical Arrested Development viewer, like the obsessives, they completely typify the sort of marathon viewer rather than the broadcast TV viewer. And so for the first time ever in television, you people are actually important. Netflix wants people like you because you're paying them money. And, you know, that's important. I think people like money. Uh, but yeah, the platform basically lets, lets them know what you like. And then they get them to buy similar shows that you also like. And it gets them to make shows for people like you. So Arrested Development may be niche TV, but as of the launch of this new season of Arrested Development, Niche is in. There we go. <laughs> now, did that ramble make sense to anybody? Yeah? Okay, what, cool. Where, where, where are we getting Netflix in Australia? Like, um, well, give it about a year and a half and I reckon you'll see it. Yeah. Yeah, at the moment there's quick flicks, but that's just a bit crappy. Yeah. yeah. And we can Google the words how to do it illegally in Australia? <laughs> you can, or drop me an email. 
No. Didn't you but have... I wouldn't recommend that because that would be wrong. <laughs> Didn't you have some terrifying yeah. PowerPoints you wanted to show? Oh us? yeah, I did. Sorry. Okay, let's bring that back up. Sorry, because I realised I had the driest presentation here. <laughs> I thought I'd do some YouTube research, a bit of uh, getting on the googling, and I thought I'd give the history of never nudes because it's. <laughs> It started before Bluth. So here we can see there was a very popular ad. I'm sure you all remember this. Okay, Marky Mark, you know, the original Never Nude. Has three nipples. Oh, I've gone back and forwards. Here we go. Really? Yeah. There we go. You may all remember. Uh, we'll just hover on this one for a little bit here. There we go. Planet of the Apes. No. Like, does anyone remember the Never Nude? No. Mm. Um, King Kong. Uh, Tommy Wiseau in the room. <laughs> God, that's magnificent. Microsoft can't for itself. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Horrifying. Let's just bring it back and let it sit on. Don't! Yeah. <laughs> Why? Why would you do that? <laughs> so you can start right there. You have been listening to an Acme podcast. For more recordings of talks and live events, go to Acme Channel and the Acme website.